Hello and welcome to the Hyper Coaching Podcast. Today we have special guest Tom Hamilton. Tom is very strong and has sent us through a little bio that I'm going to read out for you now. Tom has been working in the fitness industry for nine years and has worked with a wide range of people from everyday athletes to bodybuilders, powerlifting world champions and professional athletes. He currently works as a coach at W10 Performance alongside his role as head of education in the IFBA and his online coaching company, Lift Strong, Look Strong. Tom has also competed in bodybuilding and powerlifting, with a highlight being winning the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Championships in 2016 in the under 82.5 kilogram category. So, if you're not excited by that bio, then probably don't listen to the episode because it's mainly about him. Um, but it's extremely interesting, so I would stay tuned if I were you. Uh, just one announcement before we go and crack on with the podcast. Hybrid Games, 31st of August. If you haven't signed up yet, there is still time to do so. We'll be doing lots and lots of fun fitness-related activities and lots of fun non-fitness-related activities too. Uh, so we would love to see you there. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Hello and welcome, Tom Hampton. How are you, mate? Good. Uh, yeah, let's check the time then. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, what is the time? Importantly, thirteen forty, or if you run a uh, twelve-hour clock, one forty p.m. Are we keeping to your schedule? Uh, I'm not keeping to your schedule. I was ten minutes late. Uh, <laughs> sorry, to be fair, fashionably late. Yeah, that's the right amount of late. Very fashionable. <laughs> that's making sure that you're not going to be bored when you get there. Exactly. We were waiting with bated breath for you to be fair. So that's what you want. You want your audience like on the edge of their seat waiting for your arrival. So I think you did it just right, mate. But I was waiting for the stand innovation as I came onto the podcast, but I didn't hear any clapping. Uh, you probably needed to wait like a minute or two longer for that. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes! Thanks, guys. It's a real honour to be here. Right then. Um, Did you always um, try and be the last clapper in assembly, by the way? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just want to clap, clap at all. I used to always make sure I'm the last clap, but maybe someone else going. You just be about like. <laughs> what's what's your favourite assembly hymn, Tom? From the tiny ant, from the tiny ant to the elephant. Do you know that one? I don't, I don't know that one. I don't know. Oh, I'm glad to see you. Thank you. Hang on, hang on. I've never heard it, so you've got I'm not, to I'm not singing that again. Already, I'm already on the edge of my seat. I'm loving this hymn. Do you again? Right. You don't need to go on Google and get the lyrics up first. I think it's from the chimpanzee to the kangaroo. What are your favourites? Favourite who is a new staple fashion. Um so we've had a couple of guests on, just to one up them, which you've already done, I think. Yeah. But if you were a dinosaur, what dinosaur would you be, Tom? A velociraptor. Great show. Great choice. Yeah, solid dino. The right, the right balance of being lean, athletic, and aggressive. 
<laughs> and a team player. Yes, and a team player, yes. Always on multiplayer, they are. Yeah, they do play multiplayer. Co-op a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, co-op all the time. Yeah. Um, so, have you got a fact of the day for us? Well, I got into work because I've been thinking about this question for a while. And I thought... <laughs> I don't think I've got anything really, really interesting. So I asked uh, one of my colleagues, Amy, for a fact. Now, you can't quote me on this, but we can quote Amy on it. The average person is two, three centimeters shorter at the end of the day versus the morning as the discs dehydrate. Sounds about right. Correct. Yeah. Well done, Ames. Yeah. Correct. So that is my, uh, well, Amy's interesting fact for the day. It's a very, very good fact. And it's part of the reason why you probably shouldn't pull heavy deadlifts at 6 a.m. in the morning after you've just woken up. Yeah, I, I can tell you a funny story about that, actually. Um, the old gym that I used to work at, there used to be a group of us that trained at 6 a.m. Well, we got to the gym at 6 a.m., but I would lie on the floor for ages still waking up for an hour. So we'd actually start at 7 <laughs> and, I was no, and I was known as Grumpy Tom of the group. <laughs> By lying on the floor waking up, you mean you went to the gym and then slept? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, right, right, we'll do some uh, mobility and stuff, and we're on the mats, and it's like, oh, I don't feel like training yet. I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> to be fair, that's how we start training at like midday. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this is then what happened was I realized that I was much stronger later in the day. And I was like, why am I? I'm the one with the key to the gym. These lot can train whenever. I'm not getting up early anymore. I'll train when I want to train. <laughs> is that how you develop the name Grumpy Tom? When you stop opening the gym for your mates to train? That also, they're also no longer my mates. Yeah. Um, so could you give us a little bit of your background then and tell us why we have you on the podcast? Uh, I can, I can do what, uh, and how I got, and how I got into training. Um, so I used to play football. I was at Bristol city up until I was 19. So I was in like the reserves and stuff like that. Um, and I ruptured my ACL. And were you better at football than Ali then? I, I've never played against Ali, and I don't know Ali's playing history, so I couldn't comment. But if you had to put money on it, you'd say probably. <laughs> maybe <laughs> ten, maybe ten years ago, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so, where did you play? On the wing. What? 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 What side? Right or left, mate? Oh, either side. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And occasionally in the uh, hole, you know, playmaker. See, I reckon me, me, me and you, Sutton and Phil, would have been a pretty, pretty dangerous, to be fair, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'd probably be, make you do most of the work, though. I'd be a bit lazy. Where would you, where would you play <laughs> if you had to play? Sutton and Nah, I'd, I'd, I'd just want to play just off the striker. Oh, talent. But my, my, my ability to change direction is very different. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, so uh, back to your ACL injury. Uh, yeah, so I did my ACL, um, did all the rehab and stuff for that, and then I was coming back in pre-season, felt really good, 
had like one year left of my contract. So it was like, right, this year I really need to like prove myself. Um, and then in pre-season, I ruptured my ACL again. So then had like another season out and didn't get a, a new contract, obviously, because I hadn't played then for two years. Um, after that, then I kind of had a bit of a period where I felt a bit lost. I always thought I'd be a football player. Um, ended up getting myself into some trouble. And I spent a little bit of time in Her Majesty's house <laughs> for eight months. And that was how I got into training it inside. So uh, before that, I wasn't really that into the gym, but there isn't much else to do when you're, you're in a prison. So yeah, ended up training in there. Then I realized when I came out that you could become a personal trainer. Um, and then the rest is kind of history from there, to be honest, with that stuff. Um, I went on to then compete in natural bodybuilding, which I did for two years. I did five shows in that period with like my, be my best place coming second. Um, that was a good experience. Not one that I would ever go back to, but valuable. And then from that, I got a bit disillusioned with the subjective nature of bodybuilding and like saying you know someone judging you on how you look compared to someone else and sometimes I feel that like I'm honest with myself but I'd went to some shows and I was like I definitely look better that guy and he's like placed above me and it was quite frustrating when you've put all this effort in so then that led me into powerlifting which is a bit more objective based still some sub subjective nature to it um but it's like most of the times either you lift the weight or you don't Started powerlifting, that was probably five or six years ago. Um, and then after three years of doing that, I went to the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Championships and I managed to come first place there. And <laughs> that's uh, like, since then, haven't managed to scale those heights again, just because of various factors, but the aim is to get back there and yeah, see what I can do and try and beat what I did previously. Okay, so you, you plan to go back to back to powerlifting? Uh, yeah, as long as my my body can stand up to the the training. That is a wicked story, to be fair, mate. Yeah. Um, it must have been so tough, like during those two years when when you thought, especially after that first injury, you thought oh, you'd yeah. come coming back to be able to actually get that professional contract, and then. Rupturing your knee again would have been just so brutal. How during that time do you um like do you remember thinking that's that that's it? Like I've got nothing else I can do now. Yeah. So basically, like my whole. I mean, if I look back at it now with like what I know now, if you like. Um, my whole, whole identity was built around being a footballer and stuff like that. So everybody had always known me as all my friends were that circle. And I really enjoyed that, to be honest. Um, I had quite a big ego when I was younger. Like, just liked all of that. I really enjoyed football, but I also liked all the things that came with it. Mm -hmm. I liked having that reputation. And, you know, to have also, like, the the opportunity taken from you. Like, I'd rather have been told, look, like you, you weren't good enough rather than not actually have the chance to do it. So that took a while for me to actually like sort of mature and get my head around, if you like. Um, 
I think that was what was like the hardest thing. And then it was like, I didn't really know what to do. And then, yeah, I was lucky that, you know, I fell into something that ended up taking me on the right path. Yeah, that is, um, it, it, I literally can just imagine how awful that period must have been when you literally, I say, all your, all your identity is ripped from you. And then suddenly you're just, because what, a lot of kids that do um, go down the sort of like championship route or well, play for the under 16s, under 17, under 18s, and then get into the reserve of a, of a fresh, of a, like a decent fresh side. That is all their eggs in one basket. 100%. And it's so many, so many lads that just like just don't quite cut it or they get a little bit injured, and suddenly everything that they've ever worked towards from the age of like eight is just like completely gone. And like you said, Losing yeah. that, that that form of identity is like we we know now like loads of different motivational factors will go into that and and that's gonna really mean that your your whole like your whatever you do in your life is like you just you just lost that massive element that you really really need for happiness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like you you kind of you've been removed from your social situation as well. Like the people you like you normally mm. hang out with, you probably not like spend as much time with because they're off like playing and you're playing mm-hmm. and you're kind of you're completely out of that because it literally like kind of rips you out of sort of that position yeah. you're in yeah well, I'm sure you've had it when you're playing rugby Tom is it like you know if you're injured even if you're still going in for the physio sessions and stuff you're outside of the squad who are all like they go away travelling for away games or like just out of the band for a little bit yeah 100% mate it's like I, I almost find it actually easier um, play, like when I play rugby to kind of just remove myself from it because being like partly in it and trying to still be part of it like I found like for me was like was worse than not being in it mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. like, like at the time in uni I'd like make some calls but like make some calls and stuff like that so I just like end up as a result, I'm spending more time with them at the, at the time, because um, it, it like when you're kind of part of it, 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 it makes it you miss it more as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had the same thing the second time I I ruptured my ACL for the second time and decided. Are you done yours twice as yeah, well? Twice in the same knee, but they were like five years apart. But we're the chocolate knee club, <laughs> aren't we? Ali's <laughs> <laughs> got one good knee. Tom does. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we've all got massive quads. Have you heard that, dude? My brother managed to take my knee out like two months ago just by bailing out of a handstand onto my leg. Sends a new one for you, Ali. He's chocolate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna... I've, added it, I've added it to my Instagram profile. Chocolate knee. Chocolate knee. Yeah. Should we find the chocolate knee? Chocolate knee. Should we find the chocolate knee? Yeah. 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 Please, please send in your MRI scans and doctor notes. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's the second time I, I ruptured it and I sort of decided to stop playing rugby. Um, but even at like an amateur level, that it was like horrible. I couldn't go and watch the rest of the boys' games for about a year after that because I found it so yeah. upsetting to just to go to go and watch the games and not be able to be like that involved in it. How long did it take you to actually be able to go back and just go and watch it and genuinely enjoy watching it? Or do you not enjoy watching rugby um, anymore? I don't watch as much rugby as I used to, but I can now go and watch uh, watch the boys play and like enjoy that. But it was probably about a year, because um, I think we were halfway through the season when I did it, and I didn't go and watch the rest of that season or the season after. I didn't watch any of the boys' games. Just because... Yeah, it's it was tough, really, really isn't it? Yeah, I think for me it's like because it was that all that was kind of in union. Obviously, played rugby kind of before and after, but it was like the group in union were kind of like my like my kind of friendship group. Um, whereas I, I never kind of had that so much playing club rugby. Um, it, it wasn't yeah. sort of like when I stopped playing, I just kind of like I kind of fell out of it. And it was when I kind of for me it was when I got into PT as well. So it was like I was just putting a lot of time into that. So it was kind of like I didn't at, at the time when I did like I. Had my not my last knee up, but my one before that. <laughs> <laughs> the one before, the one before. Yeah. Hopefully, we can alter that. Do we need um, to recategorize? <laughs> 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 Who's actually had the most surgeries here? On on the on their chocolate knee. So I've, I've had five in total. Two on my left. Oh, oh you, you beat right me! Yeah. The shoulders. I've only had two. <laughs> I'm actually running. I, um, you're, you're, you're still <laughs> new to this, mate. <laughs> I don't know if I win because I, I only had one, but I still don't have an ACL. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you had one that, one that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so my injuries are worse. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. You're still technically injured, mate. <laughs> <laughs> now, but like you boys are saying about the you know mi missing the social side of it, I think that's what you guys have actually captured very well. What you're doing in your group and your training together, and I also don't know if you. I felt like this when I used to work for myself, and then how now having moved into like an environment where I'm in a, a part of a team, that for me has kind of filled that gap a little bit. Yeah of being part of a team rather than being like a solo PT and that's quite a nice yeah, thing yeah absolutely mate having um, mates to play over is so much nicer yeah like, like I said that's part of the reason that like hybrid is, is exists as it does because like we we've we spoken before on the podcast about like how strong those bonds are that you get when you're like playing in a like, like a sporting environment whether it's like recreational or something like that but like for someone who's like had a few injuries and like have played rugby before to go back to playing rugby now for me I'd be like there's no like there's no way I'm gonna do it but you like you need the, that kind of social sort of connection and to be able to like sort of build those relationships somewhere else um so like yeah for us that's kind of a, a big part of what hybrid kind of stands for yeah yeah and doing it just like yeah. like you were saying as a solo PT is really really hard so like we sort of accidentally stumbled into coaching quite a lot of other PTs because of the, the community side of hybrid that we offer as well. Yeah. It's been like really rewarding. 
constantly. Um, so your online coaching company is called Lift Strong, Look Strong. Do you think it's more yeah. important to lift strong or to look strong? <laughs> oh, depends who you're asking or who, or who you're trying to impress. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, from a, from a health point of view, I would say it's more important to. I almost went well with one, but I, I couldn't do it because there's too many variables in both of them. So I can't. I can't pick. If you had to pick just one for yourself. Oh fuck! Uh, I'd rather look. Yeah, look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just flag the the being strong yeah. part. Well, as long as you look strong, no one's really ever going to ask you to prove yeah. that you are strong. Well, this is the, this is the thing. With, this is the thing with Ali, right? His quads are <laughs> sensational, and he, he, he could say he squats three hundred, and and people yeah. don't believe it. And then people who hear that I'm really weak because I've actually. In, into places where they test how much strength you have, and everyone realizes I'm really weak. <laughs> That's why you never go and That's test yourself like that in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, look, looking strong is better. Yeah, and when you look strong as well, people always come up to you and ask how you got so strong, which is really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially when you you always go out with exactly, your top yeah, off, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in your opinion, uh, like with clients you've worked with and stuff with your coaching, um, more so with the online stuff than than stuff at W10, where do you find most people go wrong when they're looking to build strength? Um, a combination of training too heavy and tr- and like just consistently like lifting too heavy and not placing enough emphasis on building technique and practice and still building strength in like lower intensity ranges. Um, Cause that's, that's where most of your work should be. And that's where you're going to get lo- able to get lots of quality work in. Um, I think people want to rush to put weight on the bar or just consistently for talking like, powerlifting base they want to just always lift lower reps and kind of neglect building that strength in those lower intensity ranges so they neglect the look strong part <laughs> they know, yes they, they neglect the pump <laughs> no but that is a really really good point like um people just assume that to get really strong the best thing to do is to keep adding load to the bar and not just building that actual strength <clears throat> in a in a in a rep range where, where you can actually get a decent amount of volume in. You've been spending too much time <laughs> with me. What have we got? Someone here always does the same rep. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I think think one of Ali's, um, couldn't pronounce my R. Oh, uh, yeah, it's like it's, you see it in commission gyms quite a lot at the moment. Who um, <laughs> basically they like they've 
sort of fairly they, they're probably fairly new to lifting and they've not spent sort of an adequate amount of time kind of building that volume and doing sort of like sort of powerlifting triples at like 40 kilos on the bar sort of thing and really kind of getting like really psyched up for that lift whereas <laughs> <laughs> wearing a belt knee sleeves lifting shoes and all that like mate you're, you're, you're squatting 60 kilos chill out low bar, low bar back squat yeah <laughs> do you know what that's, 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 touching on that is actually something that i'm very glad that i came into powerlifting from doing mm. bodybuilding first um because i think that is something that's really important um just from a, a point of like building potentially having more muscles going to potentially mean you could be stronger in the long term and also the style of bodybuilding training of actually feeling what you're working and understanding ranges of movements and stuff like that have, have helped me to carry over well into powerlifting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, do you think getting into bodybuilding first, obviously it helped you, but do you reckon that's probably the best way into powerlifting to be the best powerlifter you could be? Build a really solid foundation of um, muscle first with, you know, a style of training that doesn't really beat you up in these first sort of like few years and allows you to get really competent and then start looking at sort of like higher intensities and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think along the, the that sort of approach is, is what is best. If you look at all top powerlifters, they all have decent mm-hmm. amounts of muscle. Um, not that they've all come from bodybuilding, but they obviously incorporate more volume into their training and understand the importance of that from like a longevity point of view. Because if you're consistently training in those lower rep ranges, it does beat you up and it's also sort of like your training becomes very one-dimensional with that and you're missing out on potential progress yeah absolutely so what would like a training program that you're writing for someone sort of generally based around like strength being the end goal like um how would that differ to your programming for like more general population um in terms of like get across the week frequency and stuff like that um it would depend usually i prefer for for most of my powerlifting people that i coach four days i say seems to be uh best for most although i've got like some females who do five days um as their recovery is much better um females do recover recover quicker than males from training they seem to be able to handle more volume like I, I program some i write some programs for some of my female athletes and i'm like if i did this i'd be <laughs> fucking dead but they're like oh yeah workout's fine like can we add some more or things like this and i'm like wow <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's quite amazing um so like yeah four to five days if most general pop people that kind of work with will be three to four so my preference would be four um, in terms of how that's split, usually full body workouts, and I use like an undulating approach. So, again, it depends where someone is coming from. If you come to me and you've currently just been squatting once a week, benching once a week, and deadlifting once a week, I'm not going to put you on a program where you're squatting four times a week straight away. Um, we may increase your frequency up to two times a week, and if we can get results with that, then we'll continue with that until that doesn't work and then we'll review other options. I always want to 
like I always try and give the minimum effective dose to people because that gives us more tools to play with further down the line when we perhaps hit a plateau or something like that. So typically in each of these workouts, like I'll give you an example of like my preference of what works for most people initially would be we would bench press in some variation, perhaps three times a week, maybe four. Bench, I find, can be performed a little bit more frequently compared to the squat and deadlift because uh, you're going to be, well, I hope so, using <laughs> lower loads than the other two. <laughs> so, so I think like the demand on the body isn't as much compared to the other two. And also there's less muscles involved. So that can be why um, uh, girls can um, handle more volume in total because generally... The actual load, the magnitude of load that they're lifting is a little bit lower, so they can potentially recover a little bit easier than that. Yeah, this is this is something that I find fascinating often, and it, it actually hurts my head to think about. It, is that like, is it that which I also asked myself the question that you did, but also is it if we compare it relative percentage of like their body weight and stuff they're lifting, it could be the same as what Absolutely. a guy's doing. So, like, it's similar in other ways. I didn't actually um, mean the um, just, yeah. relative to the body weight. I actually mean the actual magnitude of the load. So, like, to, to lift two times body weight if you're 50 kilos is actually a lot easier than to lift two times body weight if you're 200 kilos. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think you just got to think of the demands because at the end of the day, we're just as the skeleton yeah, and we're a human. Like, it's the same with, uh, like, you know, you could give a beginner three sets of 10 at 70% and you give someone who, and let's say they, they squat 100 kilos, and you give someone three sets of 10 at 70%, but mm-hmm. their squat is 300 kilos. That feels very, very, very different. And the person will probably not be able to do it. Or they're going to be <laughs> fucked for a few days after. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you look at um, some of the top deadlifters in the world, they deadlift once every two weeks because the, the the amount of, the amount of um yeah. volume that they can actually they can do to to drive adaptation they need to do some pretty big numbers but it takes them so long to recover that they just can't they just can't sustain a higher frequency than that yeah and that's an interesting discussion in itself because like you go from this being a beginner where you can, you know, you might have, you can, you can kind of train however you want, really, and you'll make some progress as long as there's some structure and it's organized in the right way and it's progressive. Then you get to that sort of intermediate stage where you need a bit more variety of movements and stuff like that to progress. And then you get to this advanced stage where, you know, like you're saying, training becomes quite simple because you're using that much loads and stuff that you just can't have loads and loads of exercises because you're too strong. <laughs> I am not at that point. <laughs> Neither am I. I like to think that uh, my deadlift beats me up too much, so I should do it every sort of two weeks. And then I come back to it and go, oh, weaker again, great. Uh, I find I must be even stronger than that because I currently deadlift about once every two <laughs> But also, is how that then that one deadlift session affects the rest of your sessions, isn't it? It's like you know, because you're so strong and it takes you ages to recover, you can't squat them for the next mm-hmm. week either, can you? <laughs> We're all of that. Stage, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, typically that that's how I do the bench. Uh, squat twice a week seems to be a decent amount for most people. And again, this would be a variation. This it could be a front squat and a back squat. Uh, it depends, but as we get closer to competition, this will become more specific. Uh, deadlift once two times a week, definitely not more than that. And if we were doing twice a week, the one session would be perhaps pause deadlifts or deficit deadlifts, something that forces you to use less load um, just so we can manage that fatigue. Good program, that. <laughs> Solid. Um, so any, yeah, any yeah. other you questions with that? Doing, um, using like an undulating model across the week I made a wave yeah. pattern with my arm so that <laughs> everyone listening could have no idea what <laughs> um, do you want to explain that a little bit more yeah so if we use the squat for example one day would be perhaps three sets of three and then the second day maybe a pool squat where we have three sets of five at which will force you to use a lower load. So what we're looking to do is across the week, we train power or strength, if you like. And then the other day, maybe like a hypertrophy day for that specific movement. And that will be spread across the week. Add in things like some single leg work as well. And that can also uh, feed into like your higher rep ranges and stuff like that, or however you decide to use it. Thank you very much. Um, So something we've sort of talked about on quite a lot of the episodes recently um, is motivation and you are a world champion powerlifter. So do you never struggle with motivation and how do you sort of go about dealing with that if you do? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think anyone that's been training long enough, it's from the people that I speak to, it's perfectly normal to go through these times where, you know, you're not really enjoying training perhaps and there's, you just don't have that same enthusiasm as you do at other times. And I think that's just part of the journey and the process. Particularly for me is that after, let's say I'm training for a competition or, you know, you guys do your six or eight week shred program like, yeah, like, I might be, tri- I might be doing that, and I feel really motivated for that period. And then you get to the end goal, and you've been on this high, and then afterwards you're like, oh, like, what, what now? And that period for me is often where I feel quite demotivated. Um, and I think the key when when I am feeling like that, I know that I've just got a number one, keep turning up to the gym, because that in itself then kind of has that sort of snowball effect. If I just keep turning up, the enjoyment just comes back in time and that motivation comes back. Um, and then you're on the lookout then for for me. I like to then, okay, what's the next goal? What am I doing? I, I think I what does keep me motivated is setting goals. And I think that just you know, turning up to the gym, which there's nothing wrong with this, like having the goal of... I, my primary reason to come to the gym is that I want to be healthy, but that's a very vague or broad term. And there's not a deadline on that as much as like, you know, we're training and we want to live longer and live a better life and stuff. That seems so far away that it's not enough to motivate me in the now. 
And I find that setting myself shorter goals helps keep me a bit more interested in the gym. Because if you're doing this for, you know, if you're in this for the long haul, there are only nine, eight, eight or nine movements that you can do. We can squat, we can push, pull, we can hinge, we can do some single leg stuff and some core stuff and some carries. Everything, if you're training properly, is going to be a variation of that <laughs> and some bicep curls. Uh, and I think this, the sooner that you kind of just realize that, okay, from a programming or exercises perspective, this is what training is going to be. Even if you're doing body weight stuff and you know, you're doing your handstands and stuff, that still kind of falls into that movement category, if you like. And I think, again, that's something that I've seen you guys do very well, which I think helps with motivation, is actually enjoying the way that you train. If you don't uh, enjoy the way that you train, then motivation is going to be hard. Like, and also if you're not seeing progress, because who wants to keep turning up yeah. something that they're not very good at? It's like, it's quite disheartening. You want to see progress yeah, somewhere. It's, it's kind of like, like a balance in terms of having like enough variety to keep it fun and enjoyable, um, but enough structure and consistency to kind of make, make progress. We, we um, had like a Q&A podcast on, on that. And so I said, obviously, like I, when, when you're kind of, deep into kind of like that powerlifting prep it like the training becomes very simple very sort of samey because you're just hitting your main lift like for the most part because you need to practice them but you've got the short-term goal to kind of keep it um sort of like yes keep the motivation there where yeah you're like you're like this is boring but yeah. i'm doing it for um, a purpose whereas, like, i guess after you probably add in a bit more variety and kind of go back to like maybe a few lifts you've not done for a while or sort of like what's hitting sort of like those main things of like push, pull, squat, hinge, uh, whatever, but like just change it so you've got more variety there. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, to be honest, after a competition, the last thing I feel like doing is perhaps deadlifting on a barbell or doing a regular back squat, like. I might not even have squats in my program for a period because I'm doing single leg stuff or other other things just because mentally you want to have a break and it can be like quite demotivating looking at your program yeah. like, oh, I've got these in there again. And so I, so I think, like you say, striking that balance between continuity to make progress and variation, and that's like a constant thing, but that does help with... Enjo enjoyment definitely does help with Absolutely. keeping you motivated. That is just one of the, the biggest factors, really. If you're constantly, like you say, looking at your program going, oh, fuck, I can't even do this shit anymore. It is going to wear thin really, really, really quick. And if you've got that sort of like element of excitement to go and train through what, whatever mechanism it gives you that little bit of like, oh, get, I get to do this today, then just turning up becomes so much easier. And like you said, it could be anything. It could be just switching yeah. out some squats for some split squats or just like you get to leg press for a month because you haven't leg pressed for six months because you had to be the best powerlifter in the world. <laughs> um, it gives you a little bit to be like, oh, yeah, great, exactly. go and do this rather than like, fuck, I can't be able to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why like, do you know what? Sometimes I do things like, I'm not a massive fan of... Um, like accommodating resistance using bands and chains. But sometimes chucking that stuff on a bar just makes me a bit more motivated when I look at my program. Yeah. Like, oh, that looks more fun. 
It's like, it is a bit smoke and mirrors, but at the same time, it's like, if it makes me motivated and I apply more effort, I'm going to get something out. It really similar last week. Everyone's got like a little thing that they know kind of makes them more motivated to do some distribution training. And it really doesn't matter what that is. If you know that you've got these little like tools you can use, like for me, it's going to train in different places. I find like I much prefer if I've got no energy to train, if I go to a place that like I'm always training at, I just, I wouldn't even turn up. If I'm like, oh, I'll quickly buy a guest pass for like a pure gym or something, yeah. I'll do, I'll, I'll go there and have a really, really good session. And it's like, and I, and I know that's the case. So I use that as like a bit of external motivation when I know that I can't walk a train. That's so true. Uh, like going into different gyms is, is, is quite fun. Um, I just come back from a holiday in Cyprus and went to a gym out there. And like they have a few different bits of kit and stuff. And I actually like had fun. Like I was just went in and just played around mm-hmm. on stuff. And but I had a good workout. Yeah. And it's just like, it is nice to, to switch it up. So it leads on to another thing about motivation is the environment is key. And I'm sure you're happy to go and turn up at Sweatbox, if you say, if you know all the lads are there and you're going to train together. But if perhaps sometimes you've got to go there by yourself, you're a bit like, oh, I've got to travel there, I've got to do this, and I don't really feel that motivated today. That can also help with motivation is having that group or, yeah, that, that env- environment is key. You, um, you mentioned at the start of the podcast your sort of like overarching goal at the moment is to get back to being a world champion. Do you have any sort of short-term goals at the moment? Um, there's actually uh, my friend who owns a gym in, in Nelsie actually is running like a old lifts competition which is it's a bit powerlifting but also back in the day powerlifting used to also include uh, a max rep bicep curl on an EZ bar <laughs> and he's running a competition that is squat uh, bench, deadlift, and the curl, and also overhead press. Um, I think I'm just going to go and do that for a bit of fun. I don't have to put my singlet on for it or anything like that. And you're, uh, <laughs> I am, I am. I wonder if I, I could turn up in a pair of speedos though. That you guys yeah, could It's like brand ambassador. <laughs> if it's only a Nelsie, we'll all come and play as well. Yeah, um, speedo. Yeah, I'll send you guys the link. Come and do it. Have, have you been to that gym? It's called At it. The Gym. It looks excellent. We've got loads of people. Yeah, it's decent. I'll be, I'll definitely yeah, we, we should go I'm, I'm only entering yeah. the kill part of the competition. <laughs> you might win. You might win. I'll send you guys a link afterwards. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of like my short-term goal. I've actually come back from holiday feeling, you know, when you get to, sometimes I've been procrastinating for ages, like, right, I really want to nail my nutrition. I want to really make sure I get all my workouts in each week. I've kind of been a bit flaky on that lately, if, if you say, just because of like work and uh, I got married like last month as well and all these other things going on. Well, now I've got a... That's three, mate. That's oh, two round of applause. You did ask for the first one, to be fair. Is it? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Um, whereas now I feel like, right, you know when you get in this headspace, like, I've got a clear run, and I can just focus on, be a bit selfish and focus on myself and making sure that I prioritise these things, and I'm quite excited about what I can do. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate. <laughs> I've silenced it. Right, sorry. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm feeling quite motivated at the moment. Do you guys ever get phases like that where you're like, yeah. right, I'm, I'm on it for really these just, next few months? I usually find it, it switches quite quickly from really not being cracked and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, do you know what? This is really fun again all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you'll find something, whether it is just like a new lift you've done in, in a while or something like that. And I find, yeah, just all of a sudden I'm like really motivated to go and train. Yeah, I think part of it also is I've got like a new program. Every time you get a new program, you, um, I find that really your exciting. Own programming or do you do you have a coach? No, I I haven't programmed for myself for about six years. Um, I've had like maybe one or maybe at the most two months where I've perhaps followed nothing, but for the majority of that, yeah, six years I've always had a coach. Um, I quite like. Uh, Alan Cosgrove says, you know, how can we sell coaching mm-hmm. yet we don't have coaches ourselves in in, in some way? Um, you know, because it's like um, if I'm a coach and I'm selling you something mm-hmm. yeah. and I don't do it myself, I'm kind of saying I don't believe in it. So I'm a big, big believer in that. Um, also, having someone who mm-hmm. can be uh, objective, um, impartial in some ways, there's still going to be a little bit of a gray area there because you're their client or, you know, and they care and stuff like that. But also someone who's going to perhaps give you Mm -hmm, exercises that you don't like, but you need (laughs) that sort of tough love sort of approach. And also I find that I learn a lot from other people by, by being coached by them. Um, And I've been very lucky to work with some really good people that I've learned a lot from. And, yeah, I, I just find that, you know, I, I, I spend all day coaching or writing programs for other people. When it comes to my own training, the last thing I want to do is be stressing over what I'm doing. I just want to turn up just like anyone else. Mm-hmm, you, yeah. you know, clients come to us. They just want to turn up and be told what to do. Yourself because you go you know, from, like, writing a program for a client and like, it's, like, really easy to, like, chop bits out and know what they need to do. And then when it comes to, like, trying to write a program for myself, I... I still find I want to do absolutely everything. <laughs> oh, that's good. That worked once. And then all of a sudden you realize yeah. we're in like eight sessions in the week with three hours worth of training. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's like the easiest person to convince mm-hmm. to do or not to do something is yourself. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I write Bulgarian split squats. I can't be bothered to do those today because they fucking hurt and I'm tired. I won't do them. And I haven't got anyone that uh, that I've got to be, I wouldn't say accountable because I think you've got to be accountable to yourself first mm-hmm. in any program that you follow. But I don't like letting people down. And I, and I wouldn't want to say to my coach, <laughs> oh, I didn't do this because I couldn't be bothered. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a shit excuse. And yeah, like, that that's enough to kind of make me do yeah. perhaps things said, that like, I don't always want to when do. When you're but I know kind I of do. in charge of giving other people that all the time, like the last thing you want when you, it comes to training yourself is to kind of have that kind of pressure yourself, like for yourself as well. And like like you said, it's, it's so much harder to be objective, so you end up overthinking it, and it it just ends up being like like so you just kind of go around in circles. 
Um, how do how do you guys write your programs? Do you all like have input between you, or do you take turns? Uh, almost for all the, the hybrid stuff. Now, for hybrid, um, like I've never known anyone uh, yeah. be so talented at writing programs. <laughs> to be fair, maybe maybe he's <laughs> terrible at writing for himself, but like <laughs> the actual programs that Die writes are like every time like so fun to do, really engaging. Like literally for, for me anyway, tick every single box of like covering strength stuff anaerobic stuff aerobic stuff um like high rep bodybuilding stuff and also all the cali and skill stuff it's just like they all flow so quality and they've got a real special talent for it and i just wouldn't do it wouldn't do anything else now i'm a little like rain man um yeah. everything else in my life but <laughs> <laughs> i need to write a program and i just start seeing things <laughs> i literally sit there in the evening and just like Instead of doodling, <laughs> just write training programs. <laughs> yeah. Don't you? Yeah, I do. I find it quite fun, just like scribbling out whether it's like, like the overarching idea of like a phase of training, or actually just like playing with like different ways of breaking up the volume in sessions. I find it's really, uh, especially like a lot of the body weight stuff that we program. It can be really boring if you're just writing like three sets of eight to twelve or whatever. Even if that might be essentially what you're trying to accomplish so just like playing with different ways of breaking up the volume within a session and stuff like that might be quite fun. i think i'm good at writing sessions i'm terrible yeah. at following them myself yeah part one turn up turn up to the gym yeah. <laughs> no let's make part one espresso you yeah. can do that bit you got to make the first habit the easiest bit yeah <laughs> First sentence isn't yes. about moaning. Part three. Gratitude. Not injured today. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great program. D one. Where do I sign up to this? <laughs> I like this one because. But yeah, so like I mean we've obviously got um like a the dialogues on the programming, but then they're obviously they don't follow it like all the time. There are bits times you just turn up and just do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, I write me and Tom ride our bike quite a lot. That's never programmed. Yeah. Um, and then like, we obviously go, we we try and get out for like one run a week. That's not essentially programmed. Um, and we do probably a bit more like mobility and stuff, just with clients and all that sort of thing, which obviously isn't programmed as well. But um, so we it, we have got like. Uh, an overriding program but then we just like do little bits here and there as well yeah it's kind of like a rough checklist of the week like we'll probably get a squat probably get a deadlift um, or I might the other two might not yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll do some pushing and pulling some bodyweight stuff and it's just like <laughs> it just kind of flows depending like if we're all training together it might be slightly different if like it, if it's you training on your own it might be like we just literally follow what them, like the hybrid program for the day which is obviously the beauty of kind of doing what we do is that like most of the time we do get the chance to train together and we can act like we just have a bit of fun with it and like quite often that time we kind of think of new ideas and just like tweak exercises slightly and that sort of thing and then the, the other time if it's if it's solo that's like what Ali said it's like quite often either just do stuff like on a timer so like emoms and things like that just to kind of get in get it done or um like just follow what's like what's kind of programmed for the day anyway or just do a little bit of pump if you really can't be bothered to do much else It'll be quite interesting actually the next five to six weeks seeing what you two think of 
um, we actually program directly for you for the national mm. Yeah, yeah, so I've, yeah. I've written their you're doing, you're doing the that. NFG, right? It's hybrid testing this week, and then from next week, they're actually accountable to me as their coach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a little bit nervous. How are you feeling about that, lads? Daily check ins, yeah. Messages, <laughs> messages every hour, me- me- messages every day. Nutrition as well. I just <laughs> 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 no, I think are you, are you gonna send them pictures <laughs> of the food? Oh, I, I, excuse, I, I didn't come on to what? What did you just say? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in language like that. It's an inside oh. joke, but it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can people find out a little bit more about you if oh. they have carried on listening and found you interesting so far well, probably one or two well that can't be many there. people who are still with us after yeah. 50 years um, Instagram uh, my user on there is <laughs> strong. so both of them not just one um, and you can, I'm happy for people to friend request me and stuff like that on Facebook. If you want to ask me right. questions on there, they're kind of the two places that I use the, the most. Um, yeah, but Instagram is my main one that I'm sort of active on. So if you want to follow me on there or send like, me yeah. uh, a DM, yeah. you're welcome He's to any welcome questions and stuff. And I, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. answer those. <laughs> yeah. Although I will have to be in it is. It still feels weird. I don't, I don't like saying my wife. It sounds say, weird. Uh, oh, my wife. Like you, it makes you feel older if you say you have a wife. Yeah, the, the yeah. problem is, is like, I'm 30, but I still feel like we're I'm actually 22. We were having a conversation the other day. Maybe we say, like, we all find friends way funnier now because, like, when we used to watch it when you're like a teenager, you're like, this would never happen when you're 30. And now, and now it's like, that's what life's like. I might have to go, go and watch that again then. Yeah. Do, you, do you find it easier to say wife than fiance? Because I still struggle to call Amy my fiance. It sounds really weird. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, I'd rather say. Yeah, when I was, I never used to really say fiance. It's like, yeah, it sounds sound like I'm bragging or it sounds like that. <laughs> Life is easier. Well, thank you very much, mate. Yeah, thank you so much, mate. Excellent. No, we really appreciate it, mate. That was, thank uh, you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate interesting it. interesting to hear your whole story, to be fair, mate. I was, um, I, it's not something I, I actually knew. So um, I, thank you very much for going into so much detail. It was really, really cool. <laughs> well, that was my that. facts for the day, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys have a good day. And, uh, <laughs> That's the plan. Might even do some hand stands. Might even do as well, mate. <laughs> 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 I remember. 
Remember, we're, we're on the lookout. If you have this podcast, we're on the lookout for members to join the uh, Chocolate League Club. Send uh, slide into Tom's DMs. Yeah. He's the president. So, uh, Most experienced Chocolate Nia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also send me a PayPal for, uh, of ten pounds. Yearly yearly membership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yearly membership which goes towards whoever like gets another injury to their knee within that year. <laughs> they can have a hug as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, See you later, brother. See you, <laughs> All right then guys. All right. See you later. Bye bye.